Beautiful. Beautiful. Somehow, I think that might be culturally inappropriate. No, no. <laughs> Singing a song. No. Yep, you're no, canceled. I was doing my best. <laughs> you're gone. I'm doing my best. I swear I'm not Robert De Niro. <laughs> Bro, sang a song. He's fucked. Get him uh, out. Special little bonus episode. The journey is over. I'm done. Yes. I'm never watching another Scorsese movie. Never. <laughs> done. Done with him. Um, we just got out of Killers of the Flower Moon, and we're gonna talk about it. Woo! Yay! Wasn't a big shock when Jackson said, this is gonna be a surprise, and everyone immediately knew, oh, they're gonna talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. Big shock. Yeah, I, could... I like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The journey is over. Uh, I would say I'm really sad, but I feel, like, free. I feel like a weight has been lifted off my chest. I no longer have to, uh, bring myself to watch these, even though they're all really good. But yeah, should I go ahead and bring us into the movie? And we'll kind of use it as a way to get through the journey? Kind of bring us out? Yeah. Okay. Ernest Burkhart is a veteran arriving on Osage land in 1920s Oklahoma to work with his uncle William Hale in the oil business. After familiarizing himself with Osage culture, he marries his wife Molly. He and Hale hatch a plan to systematically murder individual members of Molly's family in order to steal a family's fortune. As Molly's family is torn apart, we see a culture disappear before our eyes as the Osage people become another victim, the horrors of American colonialism, savagery, and greed. Killers of the Flower Moon. Easy, no rambling today, because I do not remember the individual plot elements of this movie because I'm really bad at doing that out of theaters. Fair enough. Um, I guess we. This is a brand new release, so we don't really have history with it. Um, but do you? What do? You, when did you guys first hear about this project? I guess. Do you remember? It feels like forever ago. Like, I feel like I heard about it, and then I was like, oh. I don't even care because it's going to release in so like so long from now. Yeah. And then didn't it? I mean, it got it got pushed. Right? Yeah, it yeah. got pushed a couple times because I remember the first time I heard about it was around COVID. I think mm-hmm. I heard he's adapting this book, and I'd heard the book was good. Um, I could be completely off on that timeline, but still. Um, and then I heard they had done a complete rewrite of the script. And that's when I got mm-hmm. nervous initially. I was like, oh, this could be rough. Um, but then I heard the full story there where they were. Um, they had a, a version of the script and they felt like there was some emotional core missing from it. And they decided that's why they needed a full rewrite, because this could not just be a investigative journalism movie about the fbi figuring it out this had to be about the osage people um and we'll get into it but i do think that's the biggest strength of this movie um Mm -hmm. that rewrite becomes the reason this movie exists i think otherwise it it doesn't like need to be told from the fbi perspective at all but it definitely is a story that needs to be told from this perspective but um, yeah, and then I, I was excited for it um, when I heard that it was like, I, I remember it was coming out of Cannes and it got glowing reviews out of Cannes, obviously. And then I started the journey in August of knocking out every Scorsese movie. And now I am done. 
this was the last thing on the list. Um, end of an era. But I guess, do, where do we want to start here? I kind of want to save the journey part of it for the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Jackson, what do you want to start with? Um, you mentioned that there was, like, if this was not told from the perspective of the Osage, it wouldn't really be, there wouldn't really be too much of a point for its existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I agree very much on that part um i would also like to compare it to another movie from this year oppenheimer and how that was told from oppenheimer's perspective rather than the government hiring him and investigating him and all of that kind of similar in that aspect um different scale um of course very different story but um similar in, in a couple ways. I think there's parallels between those I two. So I was I was thinking about it actually a lot while I was watching this. Oppenheimer was like on the back of my mind the whole time because I was like, mm-hmm. it's these massive auteur projects about some level of American history like gone wrong, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And American history yeah. being this untold story because we don't really want to explore our more corrupt and evil sides sometimes in history. Um, so that was definitely on the back of my mind for most of it. Um, yeah. Stories like this tend to just get pushed back because people don't want to tell all of these dark stories about Mm -hmm. legitimately like terrible people manipulative people um yeah and i think oppenheimer was a little bit different like they were there were some bad people there um that manipulated um all the scientists but yeah this is a scenario that is just on a whole nother level of manipulation and evil and greed really Mm -hmm. greed fever exactly whatever you want to call it yeah greedy like jackson's greed with mentioning nolan in every episode okay (laughs) this was an actual connection this was the first (laughs) organic connection to nolan we ever had yeah and i didn't even say nolan you said nolan Mm. bruh you said oppenheimer what are you (laughs) you said you said nolan i only said oppenheimer i only said the movie made by him who's getting arrested Ambulance beats me, dog. Um, yeah, I I think also on that I'll kind of piggyback on that to get to where I'm going. Um, with my first point, I think it's really important with this. I immediately came out of this, and my first reaction was, "Wow, what the fuck?" Mm-hmm. That was wild and great, and I loved it. Um, what a shock. I love this movie. Um, but my second reaction was, I don't know if I'm the right person to talk about this movie. Um, I, I felt like there was, there was something, I mean, I, I'm, I'm white We're all three of us are white. Um, but I, and that doesn't invalidate us from talking on it, but I think it's important to get a different perspective on a movie like this. Um, so I got home and started looking up uh, some indigenous reviewing sites um, to just see what they thought of it, just to make sure that they that I wasn't like in the wrong for liking this movie or something like that. Um, just because I was also really curious about what they had to say. And I found this one um, that was just like really glowing about it that just there was a lot of pride in this review just proud that there that this story was being told on this scale with this Mm -hmm. big name cast and director behind it um yeah it's uh as a native american and as a critic in general i absolutely loved this film 
Some moments were horrible and agonizing to watch, not because the film was horrible or agonizing, but because Scorsese brought the reality of this ugly history to light. I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And while so many in the, this world are trying to silence history, Scorsese brings the ugliness of history to the forefront, and within that effort is great beauty. Watching the last minutes of the movie, which included a creative end and an amazing heartfelt cameo, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. yeah. I felt a completeness overcome me, and I realized, at 56 years old, as the sound of a native drum filled the theater, that I'd never, ever thought I would see a film like this. Thank you, Mr. Scorsese. I will never forget this film. Like that, that's special. That's yeah. really special. I I just love that that exists, that this film is telling the story. I know Martin Scorsese is a white man telling the story, but it doesn't in any way feel like he's appropriating this story in some way. This feels genuine and like he's giving the fact that he has this hundreds of million dollar budget mm-hmm. to these people to tell their story. And yeah. I love that. I like when you can tell that a director has done the research and yeah. you can definitely tell that with this. Like he knows not just the basics, not just mm-hmm. the, the level below the basics. He like dug so deep and got so many small details that like, like I don't even get the ins and outs, but I could tell that this one little moment that is insignificant to all of us means something to the people uh, being portrayed in the movie. And it would just be like a passing moment. And I kind of yeah. like that. I don't get it. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like a little love letter from Scorsese to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Are you, are you talking about like the final shot? I'm talking about actually specifically stuff at the beginning of the movie. Because I just mm-hmm. remember going, ah, that means something. Oh, that oh, means okay. something too. Mm-hmm. That means something too. And I didn't know what it meant, but I could just tell that Scorsese had really just dug deep. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like, yeah, he did his research, but also I think, uh, like, I know he, there's no Osage people credited as writers on this movie or anything, but yeah. they're so deeply knit as collaborators it feels oh, yeah. like no that's seen, what i'm yeah exactly um and i've seen interviews with scorsese and i remember at can the uh the panel after the film was scorsese de niro dicaprio i think lily gladstone was there but the i believe the chief of the osage nation was on the panel and oh. hearing him speak about the film was just like incredible um it's just there was just so much love for Scorsese and what he did here um, that really comes through in the film. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Joey, what do you want to talk about? Um, well, first, this isn't really like a big point that I have, but I just also loved sitting down in a theater watching my first Scorsese and or sorry, first Scorsese in a theater. Yeah. And that that moment where me and you just looked at each other and both mm-hmm. of our mouths were just open. And yeah. I was like, he can really, like, at whenever he wants, he can make me enveloped into a movie. Yeah. I don't have to wait 30 minutes or an hour to be in this story. I'm immediately in um, by the first few minutes. Yeah. And that was, that that happened right when that Robbie Robertson score kicked in. Mm-hmm. It just it kicked in, and it was that shot from the trailer of um, of the oil like flying in slow motion, yeah, and yeah. his score kicks in, and me and Joey just like looked at each other with our jaws on the fucking floor. Mm-hmm. It's so good. didn't have that look at y'all but like shortly before then or right as that score kicked in I can't remember exactly when it was I had the same little epiphany like holy shit 
yeah. this is my first Scorsese in theaters. Like yeah. I'm getting to experience this on a big D screen. Yeah. In theaters. We love big D. Wait. Mm-hmm. Big D. We do. <laughs> yeah. Cause this, cause Irishman, Irishman was around when we were getting into film. Yeah. Um, and that was a Netflix original, so we didn't get to see that in a theater. And then before that was Silence, and I was that was 2016. I was yeah, not we were like interested at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, getting to see a Scorsese film in theaters, there's that perception, but also in general, I've been joking about it online with people, but like seeing a film of this size uh, and practical like this isn't a big cgi movie yeah. it's like i've no i don't know the budget off the top it's like a hundred plus million though hey siri what's the budget of killers of the flower moon what's she gonna say this time this is gonna be bad by scorsese sequelia productions and dicaprio's appian way productions with its 200 million dollars budget reportedly the largest amount ever spent on a film shot in oklahoma damn oklahoma <laughs> thank you this is from oklahoma. Oklahoma. first time she's yeah. ever answered it right for real so and a little <laughs> uh-huh she knows and it's got a little factoid episode. at the end yeah <laughs> most expensive movie ever shot in oklahoma <laughs> yes thank That's you so, so much siri Thank you. Um, but yeah, this like, you feel that $200 million oh, yeah. all over this thing. It's just the fact that you get to see a massive film like this, that it feels like I'm going to compare it to a movie I haven't seen here and kind of out myself as someone who hasn't seen this fucking mm-hmm. movie. It feels like how I imagine seeing fucking Titanic in theaters was. Like, just massive yeah i i haven't seen titanic i know i haven't seen it either. okay wait wait wait. don't worry i have seen titanic in theaters i that can confirm that. yeah it feels crazy like pure I, this movie is not pure spectacle but the idea that you can see a mm-hmm. massive director working at the top of his game in yeah. a theater and feel that theatrical experience mm-hmm. to me that's what cinema is about and that mm-hmm. is why I think this movie is like really something special. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I know you don't feel the same way, Josh, but that is also I feel the same way about this, and I also feel that about something like Oppenheimer or man, I, like I'm excited to see some more films from big directors that yeah. are going to come out. I'm excited to see them in theaters because I just want to continue to get that experience yeah. in theaters. Yeah. There are very few experiences I've had this year as good as seeing Oppenheimer in a theater. My thoughts on the movie itself aside, that movie in a theater is on another level. Yeah. Um, Jackson bringing up Nolan again, but I will say (laughs) this is, this is a good opportunity to talk about the fact that we actually somehow got um, not only just, Scorsese and Nolan releasing in the same year, mm-hmm. but we got mm-hmm. both of them releasing like two of their, or each one of their biggest movies they've ever yes. made. Yeah, Boom, and debatably how? two of their best movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil like, anything. Yeah, debatably. I think debatably. I think we are on the same page with this. Yeah, and I would say Oppenheimer is one of Nolan's best, if not his mm-hmm. best. So. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. It's, I think this is such a great year for last year was such a good year for blockbuster films, but this is a good, a great year for massive auteur projects. I mean, Barbie's another mm-hmm. example of that. I would yeah. say that that's, that's fair. massive auteurist filmmaking. So love that. Um, let's get into these performances. All right. Who do we want to start I, with? Uh, let's start with Leo. All right. Um, yeah. I remember out of can hearing some buzz around Leo that this was one of his best performances of his career. Yeah. And honestly, when I hear that about Leo, I shrug it off. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like people say that about every single Leo performance. Yeah. It's because he's got so many good ones. Yeah. He he's just like never bad. 
He yeah. does, but they can't all be his best. They are, they can't all be his best. True. But I'm going to be honest, this is my favorite Leo performance. That's so fair. Yeah. That is so fair. <laughs> he is this so, was so good. So good here. Uh-huh. And this is this is one of the only Leo performances where I've seen him. Like I still can tell that it's Leo, but it's almost like he's unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It's I I was saying it earlier. It's as close as we will get to seeing yeah. him unrecognizable. It's yeah. he. It's not a movie star role. He is yeah. like like his teeth look like garbage. Like that was the yeah. first thing I clocked when he like he was sitting down and talking to De Niro early in the movie. Same I was like, oh, money. his teeth look weird. And I was like, okay. And he's got that hairstyle that I'm just like, I can, I just can't take him seriously. And I think that's yeah. the point. He is okay. a sure. dumbass in this movie. He is playing an yeah. idiot. Yes. And he is perfect. Like, yes. pitch perfect yeah. every second of it. He's so good. He really gets lost in that role. Mm-hmm. And just owns it. Yeah. And... There's a scene toward the very end, um, I I guess we mentioned it earlier, I don't know if we mentioned it, but we're spoiling this movie, um, that should be given, um, but toward the very end, he's in the courtroom, and they just hold on his face. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) At that is the best moment of acting that I have ever seen from DiCaprio. I was, it was, to start that scene, it was them talking about all of, like, Molly's family that had been killed, and I, w- I kept wanting them to, honestly, I would rather they have filmed that scene on Lily Gladstone's face, mm-hmm. which we'll get to Lily Gladstone in a second, um, but after a certain amount of time, I was just like, I kind of see why they would hold on Leo here because this is incredible stuff mm-hmm, yeah. that you, it's just an A-list actor showing that he deserves to be an A-list actor in a, mm-hmm. a, a role that I've never seen him do before. This is not Wolf of Wall Street. This is not some big bombastic performance. It is very quiet mm-hmm. until it's not, but it's yeah. generally very quiet and, really controlled and calibrated and yeah. exactly how it needs to be. I loved it. I specifically liked when he had to go see the damage that he like uh he what's the word? Cuz he didn't do rot. it. But yeah, Rot's we'll we'll word. just say rot. Um when the house exploded Mm-hmm. And he had to go yeah. see all of that just gruesome shit. And then yeah. he had to walk back to his wife and stare down at her. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, damn, this might win an Oscar. It's very possible. I, I think it'll I d- happen. I don't know if I want to get into the whole oscars conversation with this movie just because i could you guys know i can talk for hours about the oscars um (laughs) and i'll say live on air deciding on this can we do an oscars bonus episode like for like a predictions episode at some point soon yeah like okay i think that'd be fun um but then we can really get into it i think he is a contender to win an oscar this year it'll it's a tough race in that category but He's so good here, and I think everyone's going to notice that he will almost definitely get nominated. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. I'd be. I think he'll win. There's yeah. no way he doesn't at least get nominated. If he gets, if he doesn't get nominated, that would just be insane. Like no, this, yeah, he'll get nominated. for this performance. Who's going to be nominated over him? Uh, you don't find five people to be nominated over him. I ain't. right now. I. I mean, I'll briefly say I've got. Leo, I've got Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. I have Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. I have Coleman Domingo for Rustin. And I have Bradley Cooper for Maestro. That's my five right now. I think... I don't think he's the weakest of the five. I think that's Bradley Cooper. 
but um, yeah, move it, moving Josh on. rating movies he hasn't seen. If I was a rating man, movies, I'm saying we just talk about movies he hasn't seen. Yeah, Josh just bases it off of like Buzz, the actual out of politics of of the, the academy, and I yeah, know how the enough. academy works. Yeah, exactly. Generally, but I'm if okay I was predicting. If I was a betting man, and I am, <laughs> gamble. Oh <my. laughs> I'm actually not. But for anyways. legal reasons, we do not support gambling. <laughs> for legal. We are in a state that does not allow gambling. That is true. Anyways, um, I would bet every bit of money I have on him getting nominated. I think there's yeah, absolutely no that. way he doesn't get yeah. nominated. Exactly. Yeah. I bet it's not like works. a what if. Yeah. Um, I also think De Niro's getting nominated. I'm like confident getting that. nominated. Yeah, yeah, he will. He he'll get nominated. I don't I think, he think he's. I don't think he's crazy. I, I think he's very nuanced. I think he's. I think there's layers there. Yeah, there's layers. I think of the top three performances in this movie, Leo, De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. I think he's like my least favorite of the three but like that's it's it's like impossible to really compare them like they're just doing completely different things de niro i think what he nails is this this like grandpa energy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this ability to to meet that exactly to meet the fuckers grandpa energy he's in his meet the fuckers (laughs) he's bringing that back and it's and then he's like what if what if Meet the Fockers <laughs> was incredibly evil and debatably like one of the most evil people that has ever been in a Scorsese movie? Yeah. And I think he nails it. Yes, he does. I don't think he does anything wrong. I think he just like, he's seen partners with some incredible actors that are yeah. just yeah. as good as him. So And the biggest downside for him and his performance is just that the script doesn't call for him to be the best. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just supposed to be supporting and that's what yeah. he does. Mm-hmm. I think he nails the role of a uh, master manipulator. Yes. He definitely does and that. Yes. Like you were talking about layers of this character and like from what I thought about this movie, I, I had no idea where this movie was going to go. I did not know that Leo was going to be uh, antagonist mm-hmm. to the Osage people. I had no clue yeah. that was going to happen. I figured De Niro would probably end up being that way, but I did not know it was going to unfold how it did. And just watching it happen yeah. and watching... Like, we can slowly see it progress. Like, it's within the first hour, yeah, I think it's slowly revealed to us that, oh, yeah, these murders are, murders are happening. Oh, and it's them. It is yeah. our main characters that we are watching. Mm-hmm. The people that have been lying to yeah. the Osage for I, who even knows how long. I love the way that it just, like, escalates because yeah. it starts with him just robbing which i mean come on it start this is still sick but yeah it starts with him robbing um someone from the osage community mm-hmm. and then it jumps to him robbing a grave yeah right yeah, yeah. of someone from the osage mm-hmm. community and then it just keeps on escalating yeah. all the way to exploding someone's fucking house yeah, yeah. i think what these performances nail um, and we, I guess we'll, this will be kind of my segue into my favorite performance in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. the, the way this film is just this escalation of tension and greed and destruction. And these performances build on these moments because Leo starts as just this little idiot that you yep. kind of, for about an hour, 30 minutes of this movie you want to sympathize with him and then things start turning around and you you can see him being manipulated but he's also making very stupid decisions and you start to dislike him very quickly um but it's 
to me, it's a performance like Lily Gladstone's that really becomes the most rewarding here because she's so quiet and so solemn throughout the whole thing. Even like early in the movie when you're kind of, I don't want to say having fun because it's still really harrowing, but when it's going a little bit more for entertainment toward the beginning, she's still on like, like looking at her face still feels like you're like piecing together a puzzle of Mm -hmm. what she's actually feeling. And I felt that through the whole movie where she was just, she was like leagues ahead of the rest of the movie for me. I just thought she was incredible. I I think she is one. This is one of the best performances I've seen in a Scorsese movie period. God damn. I think she's incredible. I, Every piece of, every bit of that sentimentality that I felt for this story was through her and through her performance. It was uh, it was through her and the other members of the Osage community. But I just think she's phenomenal here. Yeah. I think that she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, is she going to, does she have a chance to win, Josh? Oh, I think she has a chance. Um, they're campaigning would... her in lead. Uh-huh. And I they think she will pretty, yeah, I initially, everyone just kind of assumed she was going to go to supporting mm-hmm. like Michelle Williams and Fableman's last year. And then she jumped to lead and everyone was like, Oh, she's not getting nominated. And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, no, she's getting nominated. And then I saw the movie and I was like, Oh, she's a lead and she's yeah. getting nominated yeah. and she could win. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her competition, I'd say, is Emma Stone and Poor Things. So we'll see. Yeah, that's we'll a, see. some tough competition, but I think, I think it's possible. That's a Yorgos movie, and it's probably going to be there's a, there's a chance it could be a muted performance, in my opinion. Emma Stone, not because of her. I think she'll do whatever she can, the best that she can. Oh, I'm you're saying the movie could perform in a muted way? I thought you were saying Emma yeah. Stone's performance yeah. would be muted. I was like, no, it will not be. No. Yeah. yeah. It'll um, just be because big name and then small name. But also, as Josh, me and Josh have talked about this like a decent bit. Yeah. Yorgos is not like hated. By yeah. The favorite the is Academy. an Oscar winning film. Like, yeah. Yeah. So he, so they like him. Chance. And yeah. I have. I think there will be a top three at the Oscars. All three of these movies are going to get over 10 nominations. I think it's Oppenheimer, it's Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's Poor Things. I think all three of those movies are getting 10 plus nominations. All heavy hitters. And they are Oppenheimer doesn't break eight. I think Oppenheimer is debatably going to get like 13. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I bet it doesn't. Oscars. We'll talk about it off mic. Um, I. But yeah, I, f- I feel confident that like Lily Gladstone's performance, if nothing else sticks with me with this movie, which it, the movie's going to stick with me, but if nothing else sticks, it's going to it's gonna be her that sticks with me for a long time. Um, I've talked about on other episodes how with the Oscars, I like kind of latch on to one performance um, that I'm just like, this is my, my darling performance that I have to, like if this gets nominated... I will scream on the day of nominations. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be it for me for this year. Um, yeah. I think Lily Gladstone's my horse in this race. And if she does not get nominated, uh, we're going to have some problems, Academy. You're going to be pissed. We're not doing this again. Last year, Danielle Deadweiler missing. We're not doing it again. Yeah. But she's I would incredible. find it. I would find it. Uh, a tragedy, but also I mm. don't think she's gonna miss it. Yeah, I don't she's think it's happening. It. She I feel good about it. Yeah, she's great. She's, she's she so good. is. I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, Josh. I think she might be my favorite performance. Really? Yeah. Damn. I love oh, some of those, so much here, but some she's, of those beginning. I say. Some of those scenes at the beginning, like you were saying. When mm-hmm. she is just a mystery to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and then the scene when he looks down in the basement and she just yes oh my god i meant to mention that because i was gonna piece them together you can feel every bit of that screen i got chills yeah i did too yeah Mm -hmm. i got chills from her performance twice in this i think yeah that reminds me yeah i can't remember I can't remember what the other time was, but I did. I got chills like three times in this movie. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, that reminded me of um weird comparison, but Tony Collette and Hereditary. There's a Ooh. scene in that movie, which I won't spoil Hereditary because it's not a hereditary episode, but where Tony Collette is just wailing, screaming. Yeah. And oh, it reminded me of yes. that. And I was in both movies. I have this inclination where I'm just like, please cut away. Please cut away. I, can't, uh-huh. I don't want to hear this anymore. And they just hold on it. And it's just yes. genius filmmaking. I love it. It's perfect. God, this movie is good. You yeah. know what the crazy thing is? Hmm. That is subconsciously, during the movie, exactly what I thought of. And mm-hmm. you still said Hereditary here. And I was like, what is he going to talk about? And it was that. And yeah. it's that same guttural scream mm-hmm. yeah. of just mm-hmm. pain and agony and everything yeah and uh i completely agree with you i want them to cut they don't cut and then after the scene's done i go oh my god yeah i could breathe yeah so good um uh briefly i'll mention jesse Plemons. i think he's really good here um yeah there's not much to it he's he's good he's consistently reliable in everything he's in his best performance is still game night and uh and he'll probably never top it because game night is a perfect performance your ass is lying he is gonna top it he's got some talent l plus how can that be profitable for frito-lay what is that a is that a game night bit? It's a game night bit. Yeah, sorry. Okay. It's funny because I haven't seen Game Night. In I like haven't either, and I want to so badly. It's so good. I've seen it. Oh, I haven't. It is a baller movie. I just don't it's remember. It's so much good. Of it. Um, Jesse Plemons one day is going to get a massive lead role. Yeah, and he's going to crush it and win an Oscar. Probably. Yeah, yeah. it'll be years and years and years and years it, down the road, though. It'll. I think, I think it's possible that he could get 20. one young. Yeah, I, I think, think so. that it'll probably be fifteen to twenty years from now. But I, don't yeah. know. I think it'll be about ten. We'll see. Um, yeah. Um, anything else on y'all's list that y'all want to get to? I got one Jason? big thing that I want to end with. I also have one big thing that I want to end with. Okay. Okay, well, I have one big thing that I don't want to end with, and then okay, I have one big thing that I want to end with. Let's okay. do the one big thing you don't want to end with. Back to back. Um, okay, I, I can do it back to back afterwards. Yeah, they flow really well. That would be perfect. So, uh, one thing I wanted to mention: it's not, I don't know, it's not a negative, but it's where the movie felt the longest. Uh. And it's just the overall pacing. That sounds really dumb. But the movie felt the longest in the pacing. And I think it's just because it's focus up, get the get every bit of emotional bits that you can get out of the first like two and a quarter hours, or maybe even longer, maybe even two and a half hours. And then like the last hour is just click, 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 like just going through scenes like it's uh, a comedy show or something like that. Like it was just firing. And I don't know why, but about like halfway through that final act, I was like, I feel like this has been a long movie. And I don't feel like that in theaters a lot of the times. Like Oppenheimer didn't feel that long to me. But this, I don't know. It was just like, it was almost like it was one big first act. And then it was the final act, if you know what I'm saying. I'm definitely with you. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think I have a different reason why the last hour, I guess it's an hour. I don't 
Time is so tough to judge with when it you're is. watching a movie in theaters. Um, it's yeah. about an hour because I, I checked my phone at one point because I, at a different time, felt a little bit of length. And I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder what time it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I checked I, and it was like 6.15. I really love how the first, I, I think the first two and a half hours or so of this movie is so complex and so deeply yes. interesting. And then I think the last hour gets a little too into the investigation side of things. And I'm not going to say it abandons Molly as a character, but it sidetracks her and puts her... I know it's part of the story, like the real life story here, but like she's in the hospital for a lot of that time. And she's Mm -hmm. like in a coma. Like she can't be a part of this yep. story for a second and that's where i started to lose not interest mm-hmm. but that's where it started to lose me a bit um and then it won me back as soon as she came back so i'm seeing a trend there <laughs> um it's it also sounds weird to say this when i'm complaining about feeling the length of a movie but i feel like we could have used an extra 30 minutes I could do with an extra 30 minutes as well. An extra 30 minutes fleshes out that last hour to an hour and 30. And then it makes it to where you can't feel the, oh, we have to like try to finish this story and we're just going to throw shit at the wall. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. We should have had more time to, I don't know. Uh, Another, another point that's coming up for me is I'm so invested. I'm so invested through the first two hours and I care so much about everything that's happening. And then they, they do the thing where it's just like, let's finish the film. Let's speed through all of this so that we can have a finale. And I stop caring as much because I'm trying to focus on too much at once. And then it'll throw something at you like the daughter dying. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. That is insane. And then in like three minutes, it's over. Yeah. Or two minutes, maybe. Like, I don't even know. But anyways, yeah. not not too big of a knock or anything. And I didn't even mean it to be like a negative. But mm-hmm. I would say that if there is a negative, that would be it. That yeah. would be the biggest negative. And then to flow into my final points um that i wanted to harp on that is one of the best endings i've seen in a scorsese movie yeah. ever now specifically i'll really i've got some stuff i want to say about it um uh-huh. so we'll get into it as well later i don't want to like split it in half but there's something i want to tie it to with just the journey as a whole mm-hmm. I think well we could just talk about it then i just wanted to mention that it will get mentioned yeah. Yeah. I wanted to mention I don't want to like steal your thing, but Oh no. We we could just move that to your thing and then I just want to talk about Scorsese giving the most heartfelt message at uh-huh. the end when saying like that none of this shit ever got resolved really. Yeah. And he you can just feel a bit of pain, anger, and emotion behind his eyes. And like mm-hmm. It's honestly a great little performance for that two minutes. And it is not just a bit. It's almost the meaning of the movie. I that's exactly. It feels it it feels like it is the meaning of the Mm -hmm. movie. It is the most important part of this. Yeah. In his eyes is that he is bringing this story that someone else's story Mm -hmm. forward. And it's. And the fact that he gets the opportunity to wrap it up and yep. to tell, to read Molly's obituary is just mm-hmm. so special. I almost started crying. I did too. That's when I felt the most emotion, I felt like. Yeah. It was, it's incredible. It's, it, yeah. I think it's my favorite moment in the movie. It's just so it unique. Awesome I've never seen a movie do that. Yeah. I loved it. It's, it's Scorsese reinventing cinema once again on mm. a movie that is what fifty years into his career or something like that. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, so 
I guess, rolling into my rating. Yeah. Uh, fantastic movie. Great to see it in theaters. I love my little guy, Scorsese. And I loved almost everything about this. It's not uh like an all-time favorite for me but the quality is impeccable and the story is masterful and incredibly important to be told it's like a silence or something and when he is telling you at the beginning when he's giving his introduction and saying i've been wanting to tell this story for so long Mm -hmm. um you can really see that pay off in the film uh i will be giving this a four and a half out of five Yay. Good rating. Good rating. It's what he deserves. <laughs> um, Jackson, final thoughts and rating. You making me go second. You making me go second. <laughs> I'm going last. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Kind of going off of what Joey said. Stories like this. Stories that need to be told. This hasn't been on screen before. This hasn't been presented to an audience. Yep. In a way, in a way like this before. Um, it hasn't been this accessible. There's never been somebody with this big of a name coming out there and saying, "This is what happened to this group of people." Mm-hmm. And things like that. Stories like this are very, very special. And I really, really love those small little stories that you don't get to see. Mm-hmm. Um, like a couple weeks ago, it's why I love Minari. It's something that you haven't seen on screen before. It's a story that hasn't been told. Mm-hmm. For that reason, this is a five out of five. Ah! <laughs> this is one of, this is, undeniably one of Scorsese's best. Yeah. Yeah. We are on the same page. I love that we're all on the same page on this. Um, yeah, I, I'm just kind of in awe of what he pulled off here. I love this yeah. streak that he's been doing late in his career. Um, watching all of his films in order was, I, I joke about how awful it was for me, but whatever. It, it's so rewarding to see these these arcs that he goes on of stories he wants to tell and so late in life he wants to tell these stories of mortality and end of life and I just like really complicated morality in a way that he's never done before um, but also what I find to be the most important part of Scorsese as a filmmaker is the way that he builds up other people's voices. Um, yeah. a, a film like this, a film like Kundun, um, a film like Silence, I would say, um, just feels like other, it, it's him bringing other cultures um, to the forefront. I would say, honestly, early in his career with Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, that's him telling a female story but with an insane amount of sensitivity. It's a wonderful movie. And I I think, and I mean, his world cinema project is so important. It's brought us some of our favorite movies. I mean, Jackson, you would never have seen A Brighter Summer Day without Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, I don't know. And I think that ending that we talked about is the, the perfect tie to that. It's, it's Scorsese's truly bringing a voice to the forefront, like he's been doing with the World Cinema Project, like he's been doing his whole career. But I think this might be one of his best examples of him spotlighting other voices. Um, I, I'm also at four and a half stars on this. I adore this movie. Oh. This is one of his best movies. Yep. It's the... I, I thought that the Irishman was going to be the perfect way to end the journey. And it is because that's my favorite movie of his, but I think this is the perfect closer. It's yeah. 
if this was his last movie, just like if The Irishman was his last movie, or if Silence or Hugo was his last movie, they would all be perfect closers to his career. Yeah. And I love that we are still alive while he's making movies. Same. And that he's got a couple more in him, apparently. He's making mm-hmm. another one with Leo <laughs> next. So I'm not and complaining. He's, yeah. he's not like slipping or anything either. Nah, he's like making greats on the yeah. top of his game right now it's just it's wild um i love him so yeah that's killers of the flower moon uh glad we all there loved it, it. Was. um yeah. um you guys should be getting this should be coming out sunday or monday if i can get it edited in time so you guys should be getting possession on Friday. Mm-hmm. We gotta watch that still. We haven't watched it yet. But yeah. uh should be getting possession on Friday, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um I'm excited for that one. But yeah. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.